Welcome to The Back Porch, a safe space where we can wrestle with our faith and beliefs and real life. I feel like I usually have more questions than answers, and I think that's okay. I'm going to keep on asking my questions, and I'm trying to learn to rest in the hope that truth will eventually catch me. I'm Melinda, and this is my view of life and faith from The Back Porch. I'm finally finding some time to sit down and talk out some of the thoughts that have been swirling around in my head for what feels like months. I think it's only been actually three weeks. Um, But it's crazy how getting out of the habit of something for even three weeks, uh, maybe four, um, makes you feel like you don't remember how to do it. Because I've literally been sitting here staring at my phone (laughs) with no idea how to start. And let's be honest, talking like words are not hard for me. I have plenty of words. Um, So it's just been hard to find time to sneak out. I mean, it's summer. It means Monroe's home from school. Yuli graduated. Now she's working full time. These are all good things. Um, but there are a few, there are just a few things that like change the routine. And Monroe being home is one of them. Um, the other thing is that he believes firmly that morning time equals when the sun rises. And Right now, uh, here, the sun is rising at like five. So uh, there's just no beating him. (laughs) Can't get up ahead of him. And if you don't get up ahead of him around here, you don't get to sit anywhere outside. Like once the sun is up. I mean, it's like stupid hot (laughs) in Arizona. And yes, I've lived here for like 15 years now. It's not a new thing, but it is still a predictable, somewhat dreaded thing that uh, for these few months, for like people who live in places where the winter shuts everything down, that's kind of how it feels here in the summer. And if you live here, you know. Um, And if you don't, that's okay. (laughs) Um, But sitting on the porch during nap time is just not even possible (laughs) when it's 115 or 17 like it's been. So those are some obstacles that have kind of gotten in my way. And I will add that uh, my first two weeks of summer were spent um, potty training, which I haven't done in a lot of years, you guys, a lot of years. Um, But we're doing it and it's awesome. But this is where I'm going to start because Um, so when I decided to potty train, it was because I knew we were going to be home, but it also means that I made a decision that we're going to be home. Like that is what I'm doing for at least a week. Um, Monroe gets my full attention and we, we play all day long because I 
you know, am watching and waiting and learning what are his tells for when he needs to go. And uh, after the first day, I was like feeling pretty good. And then the second day, I somehow ended up very quickly in this funk. Like, I can't even tell you. All I know is that I had pretty serious, I mean, not like serious, like dangerous, but like pretty big meltdown. Like I ended up in the corner of the yard, like crying and trying to catch my breath. And all I kept thinking is I'm trapped, I'm trapped, I'm trapped. Because, you know, Yuli's going off to work and Paul's going off to work. And I don't know, I think we like filled the pool and it needed to be taken care of but like the only thing I could do that day was play with Monroe it sounds when I say it like now it's so selfish which is truly probably what it was I think there was like this moment of I have played cars and trains and soccer in the hallway of our tiny house what for what probably felt like a month already and it had literally been 24 hours and what's wrong with why is that bad why is that bad that I had to adjust my life for a few days to help this sweet boy figure out how to go to the bathroom in the toilet um I don't know I don't know what happened I just know that all like I was angry and I was sad and I was frustrated and I felt trapped and like all the things and it was just ridiculous. I mean, real. I'm not downplaying it. It was, it was real. Like, I had to work through it. But I pulled through it. And can I just, like, kudos to this kid. He's amazing. He's, like, nailed this thing. And I don't know that we, we didn't have to fully potty train all of our kids. Um, because when we adopted each one, some of them came partially potty trained, but we had potty issues or potty lessons that took a lot longer for most of our kids. So maybe that was part of it. Maybe I had all kinds of apprehension and he's been stellar. Um, but I was thinking back to the way that Kim and I sort of wrapped up our time on the porch, which by the way, was like one of the greatest joys of this podcast so far was my time sitting with her. Um, if you didn't get a chance to listen, you got to go back because it was so good. And, um, really I feel like one of the images that has been so helpful for me in kind of talking through this was is this image of it being like plans for a house. I've used the word blueprints. I've talked about plans. I've talked about building, um, what God is building, what I am building. Um, we've used it in the sense of like telling a story and, but I was thinking about where we landed with, you know, like whose blueprints are we using? Are we, Am I putting my foot down and saying it has to be my way or are we going to realize that the best way or the best story, the best result 
uh, for my life would be to follow the blueprints that God has designed for me, for all of us. Um, it's interesting too, that as I have been thinking about it more, I think, and don't, don't hear this the wrong way, but I am really learning how, how selfish I am. And and I think we are, but I can only talk about myself and I don't think it's, I don't, I know for a fact, it's not selfish that I have had a desire that any of us would have a desire for certain good things in our lives. Like, I think that is like normal. I think what I'm learning is that the selfish part comes when I, I start to feel like it needs to be about me. It needs to be about what I want. And that really my life is a part of God's story. Uh, And if I can like flip the script to living the story God's written for me, but then in addition, realizing that that story is just a, maybe I don't even know if it's a chapter, if that's too much of the book, the larger, bigger story that God's writing for all of us because he loves us. Like, I just, I feel like My rights, my right to have my story my way is literally, it should diminish when I recognize that the way that it fits into the bigger story is more important, if that even makes sense. But I've been reading... Uh, still somehow making time for <laughs> reading when I can. And there's this Psalm, it's Psalm 127. And um, the beginning of the Psalm has, has been a Psalm that I have like quoted or fallen back on multiple times in my life. But the second half, um, I think I avoid the whole Psalm because of the second half, because I literally can't get through it. And so I, um, I was reading and that was one of the Psalms like a couple of weeks ago. And so, and then I think that's true. Like, I don't think everything we read in the Bible is going to go down. Well, I, I've talked about this before when I used to teach, we would talk about if you're reading the Bible and everything you read just goes down easily without any difficulty. Like if you don't have a hard time chewing on some things or if some stuff doesn't make you feel sick or if it gets stuck in your throat, um, then you, you might not be reading it either in its entirety or, um, or with clarity because there's things in the Bible that are uncomfortable. And so this is one of those chapters where I just throw the whole thing out because I really can't, I can't swallow the second part of it. It's a song, a psalm written by Solomon. And it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guard is keeping watch in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For God gives sleep to his beloved. That part's beautiful. 
or at least, you know, like palatable. And then he goes on, sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons of one's youth. Happy is the one who has a quiver full of them. They shall not be put to shame when they speak with their enemies in the gate. And I'm reading um, the translation. Normally I'm reading a translation that would take some of that gender stuff out and it would be sons and daughters, obviously. I just, I want you to know that. But whenever I have read this, specifically the line that says, the fruit of the womb is a reward, that I like shut it off. (laughs) I'm done. And, but when I read it this time, uh, there's a, a piece down at the bottom that um, they include from C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. And I just, I want to read that because um, it just completely fits into what we, what I've been kind of working through. Okay, here's so here it goes. It says, um, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he is doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing and so you are not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace because he intends to come and live in it himself. And as I read that, I thought, one, I've always wondered, I don't understand how the first two verses and the last three verses of this psalm have anything to do with each other. Um, And that might still be a question for another day. But when I read this piece from C.S. Lewis, I was asking myself these questions like I'm working so hard to build my dream house, my dream story that I'm not able to enjoy the one that God's building for me. Because why? Because I'm working really hard. I'm, I'm laboring to build this house the way that I envisioned it. Maybe even the way I thought God envisioned it for me. Like, I don't always feel like I'm working against God. I feel like what I'm doing is working really hard, doing what I think he wants for me, but for some reason he's not doing himself. And I, I think this idea that, that some of God's best work for us is surprising and it's painful that he's knocking things. It says, he says it hurts abominably and doesn't make sense. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what we've been talking about. The things that don't fit into what our original plans were. And I'm thinking, I'm trying to, I'm trying to live this life for you. And you're like messing it up. And he's like, no, actually I'm the one fixing the mess. Because you would be satisfied with a little cottage and I want to build you a palace. 
which if I'm honest in the stage of life that I'm in right now, my first thought is I don't want a palace. It's too big. (laughs) I can't clean all those rooms. I can't keep track of everything. And I, and I laugh because that's another element of what I feel like is kind of my selfishness saying, don't ask me to take care of, of a castle. I just want fill in the blank. But that's not even the most self-centered part of what I'm uncovering as I have been sitting in this. Not only is my first reaction kind of like what C.S. Lewis said, where just give me a, a simple cottage. I'm not asking for a castle. But then this part, at the end of this little excerpt, He says, you thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace because he intends to come and live in it himself. I don't know, you guys, this might sound like incredibly simple because even saying it out loud feels so ridiculous to me. If I view my house my story with me at the center, then I can see where I would be frustrated when it's not being built or told or played out in ways that work best for me. And I'm, I'm not trying to make light of things that are hard. I, there are, sometimes it's not just about inconvenience. Like there's like things that have happened that are truly painful. But If I look at the house being built or the story being told through a lens of me at the center, then yeah, I'm angry and I'm disappointed and I'm grieving and all these things because it's, it's not, it doesn't feel good for me. But suddenly this phrase that he's building this house, yeah, for me, but also because he wants to live in it himself. <sighs> Obviously, uh, the story's going to look different if God's at the center instead of me at the center. I mean, that just, that sounds so simple. And yet it's, it's just such a shift when I think about this whole coming full circle with being angry and not really understanding where my, that rage, that anger was coming from when I first started this journey. It, it makes sense. I mean, I needed to feel some of that, but but what it's done that's surprising to me is it's uncovered this selfish, maybe egocentric, self-centered version of what the story should be. And I don't know that the good news of Jesus has anything to do with what we have a right to for ourselves. 
I just, I don't read that anywhere. (laughs) It has to do with joining God in what he's doing for the greater good and that somehow that is still good for us too. Okay, but here's the kicker. So yesterday I'm reading in Jonah and um, the story of Jonah is, um, it's short, it's like four chapters, so go read it if you've never read it. But bottom line, God asks Jonah to to go somewhere and deliver a message for him. And Jonah's like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. But then (laughs) as is the way, God gets his way. And finally, Jonah's like, this is ridiculous. Why am I working against you? Okay, I'll go do it. And so after he does the thing and obeys, it doesn't turn out. It still doesn't turn out the way that Jonah expected or even hoped, which in and of itself is is a really sad state of his heart. (laughs) But that's not the point that I'm focused on here. So let me stay on track. So I... I'm, I'm reading the story and I'm seeing Jonah. He does obey, even if it takes a while. He does the thing and then he's disappointed in the result. Why? He's, he's disappointed in the result because he was focused on what he wanted the end to look like, not what God would have wanted the end to look like. And so he's sitting on this hill and he's like pouting. And here's, here's the phrase that I just like literally for the last 24 hours have been like, okay, wow. Uh, he's sitting there like angry and pouting and like, I told you that this, you know, wasn't a good idea or whatever. And God says to him, is it right for you to be angry about this? And the first time I read it, I was like, yeah, you tell him (laughs) like he's being selfish and he's not considering the destruction of a whole nation of people, city of people. But then God does this whole thing where he provides some shade for him in the hot sun and he's, and Jonah's thankful, but then the shade goes away because the worm eats it and he's mad again. And he God asks him the same question again. Is it right for you to be angry about this. And I was like, okay, that's the same question twice. Is it right for him to be angry about this? And the reason he was angry was because the result isn't what he wanted or expected. Like he was doing the thing God asked him to do, but he was missing the reason, like the purpose, the big picture behind it. And I just think, am I Jonah sitting on a hill right now? Like I did what you told me to do and it didn't turn out how I wanted. And I'm not saying that I was wish I'm wishing for the destruction of a city of people. That's just follow me for a second. The point is I expected a certain result when I obeyed or even just to show that I'm loved by God, right? And when we don't get that thing, do we try and stop and see if there's a reason? Like maybe there's a bigger, a a better good 
than what was just good for us because it maybe our sacrifice of something good was better for someone else. If I'm sitting on the hill angry because look, everybody else got their thing and I didn't. And I can hear God saying to me now, is it right for you to be angry about this? And I think the if you would have asked me that question a couple of months ago, I would have said maybe, yeah, because I just, I hadn't worked through it yet, you know? Like it was brewing in me and I needed to just get it out, process, be honest, get to the heart of the matter. <laughs> and now I'm recognizing that the heart of the matter is I want my way for me. And God might be saying, yeah, but can you see that I want my way for you, but I also want my way for that person and that person and like all the other people. So I can't have everything I want. It's just not possible because life does not revolve around me. So now if God says, is it right for you to be angry about this? I think I would have to say no. There are plenty of things to still be angry about that are not right that God wants to fix. But this, this is not one of them. <laughs> he can sit in the sadness and the sorrow with me, but it's time to dust off and like adjust the narrative so that this story, the blueprints of this story is not about my good only or If I'm more concerned about God's story than my own story, then there are plenty of other things to be angry about and this isn't one of them anymore. It's time to say, build the house, tell a story, build it so that you would want to live in it. Tell the story so that you become the main character, not me. might be all I need to say about that. <laughs> so those are my thoughts today on life and faith from the back porch. Thanks for sitting with me.